Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Hello, my name is Kayla. I am the professional learning lead here at Strive, and I am joined today with school age educator Kayla Cabrera. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Um, today, we're going to be talking about school age childcare. Um, a topic that we don't often hear about in its own entity. So it's really great to have you here to share some perspective. Thank you so much. I guess, why don't we start with a little bit about you? For sure. So as Kayla said, my name is Kale. I've been working with children since I was basically a child myself. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to grow up in my mother's home childcare. She is and was a remarkable easy and remains my professional icon, my role model. She led our home with this kindness, this energy and silliness. I got to watch her follow the lead of the children in her care. And when I got old enough to really appreciate that um, from an outside perspective, I decided I wanted to do the same thing. So I started working with nonprofits in my hometown, which is Windsor, Ontario. And when I decided to move to London, I continued to seek out those opportunities. And I'm very happy to currently work with London Children's Connections. And I have a very strong relationship with the London Children's Museum as well. Yeah. So I, I know a little bit about your work at London mm-hmm. Children's Museum. What exactly were you doing when you were working there? I, at first, was an educational program facilitator, so basically I did their field trip visits. If you were to, um, as an educator for a school, invite the Children's Museum to do a program with your class, that would be me. Uh, Since then, I also had the opportunity over the last school year to be their STEM project coordinator. This was an amazing opportunity for the museum and for the children of our community. We were funded by the Canadian Space Agency to redesign our space gallery. It was an entirely child-led experiential project. So I actually just managed the students. They wrote the designs, they wrote the proposals, they designed um, budgets. They did everything, and it was just me kind of putting the pieces together. That's so cool. It was amazing, and yeah. I have since developed an absolute dorky obsession with space. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I Yeah, that would be my life. I'd be becoming an astronaut. Oh, yes. I felt <laughs> I felt like an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I For another day. So interesting, though. Um, and so, and with... London Children's Connection, are you working primarily with before and after school? What What's the scope of your position there? Currently, I'm a supervisor with before and after school, and during the summer, I get to do full day childcare um, at one of the schools. So every year, it's a little bit different how we structure the care. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, primarily before and after school. Nice. Given your breadth of experience, what brought you to school-age childcare? It was sort of an accident. I was looking for a part-time job that I could balance with uh, my studies in post-secondary. I started just as a supply staff so I could kind of pick my hours here and there so they could fit around my class time. I quickly fell in love with the organization and with the role. I mean, I love working with the older kids, which is something that you don't ordinarily get to do as an educator outside of the classroom unless you're doing something during summer or holiday breaks. So it was really cool to get to go to different classrooms and be a part of their learning experience beyond the classroom in that kind of relaxed, structureless setting. 
Soon after starting as a supply, I got my placement at the school that I work at now as a supervisor. So I got my own classroom, I got my own group of kids, and I did not intend to be here as long as I am. I'm eternally grateful. Yes, it's been amazing. I can't imagine it any other way. Um, But I think my favorite part about it is that it's kind of like that outside of classroom experience that you get during the summer that uh, day camp like games and projects and letting the kids tell you what they want to do in an everyday all the time way. I think it has its unique uh, pros, the advantages of being all year long. However, it you are at the disadvantage of not having that full time in a day with the children. Mm-hmm. So whereas in full day care during the summer or um, during break with that school age group, you're getting them for maybe eight, nine, ten hours. Yes, for some of them. So that gives you a lot of time to really develop those connections. Whereas during the school year, you have to work a little bit harder to make and build a relationship with a child when you maybe only see them for 20 minutes in the morning before they go to class and then 30 minutes in the afternoon uh, before they get picked up and go home. They're also honestly having a much longer day if they're in before and after school care. They're getting dropped off at 7.30 a.m. some of them and not picked up until 6 p.m. For children that's an extremely long day where expectations are constantly put on them, where their agency you know isn't quite what they feel that it should be. Mm-hmm. You know a lot of times they didn't get to pick what they learned in class today. They have to do math. I don't like gym all of those choices that they don't feel like they can make. So in before and after school program, I feel like a big part of our job is to bring that agency to them by saying, how would you like to spend this time? Let's set up a diverse array of activities and games and let's bring in your interests and, oh, you really like Minecraft? Well, let's have a Minecraft day. Uh, So in full day care, I feel it's similar but their day isn't quite as long and they get way more opportunity to tell you what their interests are. So as an educator in before and after school, you have to figure out how to do that with, let's say, up to 30 children in a really short amount of time. You do get all school year, which is a bonus, but every day you have to try to make those connections with those kids. So I would say that's a huge I don't know, a bit of a scale. Like, that is a huge plus. You get them all year round. Huge negative. You don't get them all day, you know? Yeah. Like, some of them you might only have. Like, in my experience from working in school-age care, like, some of them it's 15 minutes. Yes. And what does that mean for the child, for the family, the amount of transitions in that small amount of time? And how do you make sure that they feel seen and heard and connected yeah. in that space, too? It's, it's a lot to juggle, especially when you might have children aging like ranging in age from like 6 to 12. Mm-hmm. It's a really large age group as well. Yeah, like the years are small in terms of numbers, but in development, whew, yes. there's a really big difference between someone who is turning 8 and someone who is turning 13, and yeah. they're in the same room. So how do you include both of them in that sense of community? How do you make sure that both of their developmental stages are being respected when you get them all together to do a group Mm -hmm. activity it's a big challenge so in your experience as a educator in a in a school age space of with that range of Mm -hmm. ages 
how does relationship building work? And I mean, even with the parents too, because a parent yeah. of a four or six year old has very different um, yes. wants for connection, yes. typically, not always, than like an 11 year old's parent, for example. Absolutely. So what is it like navigating those relationships and with even amongst your team as coworkers mm-hmm. and with the children and with the families? Yeah. Tell me a bit about it. I think with the parents specifically or their caregivers, one of the things that I struggled with most as I was just finding my groove, finding my confidence in my role is addressing them with their name. It can be really difficult to try to remember all the kids' names and then on top of it, grandpa, grandpa's name, grandma, grandpa's name because they pick up mom, dad mom's name mom's boyfriend's name stepdad's name that's a big challenge and it comes with time and it comes from allowing yourself to be wrong and saying sorry can I catch your name again and that does take time I find that just the way that we say learn the kids names that's step one it's the same with the parents once you know their name and they know yours everything else comes a little bit easier if they know how to address you when their child comes home with a problem that is happening in program that's our win for us they want to be included in their child's life the same way that you would if you were in their position so I think step one learning their name which I feel like is so basic but it took me a really long time to get comfortable doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the second thing that is really important to me when I'm speaking to families and especially children who struggle those parents who talk to the teacher all the time get notes sent home because you know little Johnny can't regulate his emotions at the same stage of his friends or his peers so he uses his hands or Sarah Mm -hmm. who you know needs a lot of trips to the bathroom where she'll make a mess like you know those kids who just need a little bit more I think those parents they want their child to succeed and to them there's no human being on this earth that's better you know that's more important to them their child and I want them to see me as a team member to give their child the best experience and to set their child up for success so when I address their family I want them to know me on a personal level meaning that I do chat with them about their day I get involved uh, with you know their weekend plans as a family and then when Johnny is having problems I present it as how we as a team how we as a team can work together to improve Johnny's experience and program. As for developing relationships to the kids, especially when we have such a big developmental range, I feel like including them in our planning, giving the older children that leadership role, that agency, they really feel seen when you trust them to take on some of the responsibilities in program. Um, and then the younger ones as well, letting them develop and grow at their pace. So telling me what they think we should be doing in program and working together as a group to make that happen for them. Personally, I think a big part of that is setting up a routine that works for you and your kids. I typically work with the older, so uh, grade three to about grade six, which I feel like is a, is a unique, challenging age because like we said, grade mm-hmm. three and grade six, that's a very big difference very big difference difference. so my typical routine is um, Wednesdays we do alternating uh, steam or cooking activities so every other week I will either do a cooking activity or a food activity or we'll do some kind of science mathematics thing 
Uh, and then Fridays are big end of the week events. They're always based off of an interest that they've presented me or that I've noticed throughout the week. So if we are super, super into building things with the Lego, then on Friday, I'll bring in a whole bunch of loose parts, natural materials, and we'll have a building contest that involves testing the strength, testing the balance, basically just expanding an idea or an interest into a full-fledged activity that we can all be a part of the kids notice right away that these Friday events are like something look forward to in the children who've grown up in my program and they notice as well that this is something that they can be a part of the planning so Mm. I've had third graders come up to me and say I would like to run this game And we give them the support and we usually find an older student who'd like to partner with them so that they can actually facilitate that activity. And that's been anything from Lego building contest. We had a cooking game show. We've had a lip sync um, performance and variety (laughs) show kind of goes all over the place. So I think a big part of making sure that your relationship with the students is strong regardless of their developmental stage is really, really listening and basically saying, okay, how do I do that for you? What's next? And it sounds like too, at the core, it's like acknowledging and remembering the fun. Absolutely. Like, even though it's been a long day and we might be tired, Mm -hmm. we have space if you need to take some space, but also here's some really fun things that we're going to do together. And it's absolutely, I think often as educators, we forget how to have fun and play. Mm-hmm. And I, I can hear in the way that you're talking about that like you <laughs> probably participated in the cooking show. Oh, absolutely <laughs> I did. And I told them that was part of the fun because some of them were a little bit anxious to participate. And I said, whatever you make, I have to taste it because I'm a judge. Yeah. So you can do your best and make me something delicious. Or you can make something really, really icky that you want me to taste. Um, I was trained initially when I started work as an educator through the high five principles. And a big part of that is being an active participant in play. If you are not on the climbers playing grounder, if you are not on the ground coloring with the kids, then you're not doing a big part of our job, which is to facilitate learning and imagination through play. Love that. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's hard with this age group, too, because some of them don't want to play either. No. Some of them think, I want my iPad. I want to Mm. play a video game. Like, why can't I do that now? I want to go home. Mm -hmm. So what what advice or strategies do you have or do you find helpful for navigating those types of situations, too? Because I know that they are frequent in this age group. With this age group and especially after the pandemic, they were at home for so long. Especially (laughs) end of day too, when they're like, I want to check out and just, I've had a long day. Yes, they've had to be, you know, on Mm -hmm. all day long. I think a lot of them are at their end of the rope. Their bucket is empty. Um, I think my biggest advice is enthusiasm. So the more excited you are about what you have planned for the day, the less comfortable children will be to not be a part of it. If you are super, super excited and enthusiastic and pumped up about Capture the Flag, you're going to have those kids who are on board from day one. You're going to have those kids who see those kids and are going to be a part of it. And then you're going to have the kids who, even if they end up not playing, they have a blast just watching. Mm -hmm. I like to give children the 
like some other role if they don't want to be an active participant um can you help me cheerlead can you be a referee can you help me organize the materials um but as a standard i like to give them the five minute rule so give it a try for five minutes give me five minutes of an open mind and then if you really don't like it awesome job for trying something new let's find a quiet activity for you Mm -hmm. and I think that gives a lot of children the safe space because it might not be that they don't want to do it maybe they're just feeling self-conscious and a little bit vulnerable to maybe do something silly or competitive in front of all these people especially after a long day Mm -hmm. so that five minutes gives them an out and it also most of the time gives me the opportunity to not like to really encourage that open mind and they usually end up getting drawn in by the enthusiasm of everybody else but number one you need to be super super excited about everything you're doing because if you're not why should they be exactly yeah it's or if you're acting like you would like to be somewhere else yes like why would they want to be here with yeah. you either, right so i think we forget a lot of the time how our own energy impacts the room that we're facilitating absolutely or the space we're facilitating it's and it's not to say that everyone is not doing great work everybody's mm-hmm. doing phenomenal work it's an extremely challenging position and job to have absolutely But yeah, and even if you are having a tough day, being honest about it and not trying to hide it, you know, having those conversations, you know, it's okay if we're not feeling it today. What are we feeling though? Yeah. What do we want to be excited about? Like, do we want to be excited about just snuggling in beanbags and reading books Mm -hmm. today? Like, what is that? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative, like, oh, I'm having a bad day, so we're going to do this instead. Mm -hmm. Or, sorry, not bad day, like a tough day. Um, But you know celebrating that self-awareness say like I'm really glad that you let me know let's find something that feels supportive for you today yeah and I think a lot of educators especially after you know the low of the pandemic our job a lot of the time is regulating the emotions of all these little people Mm -hmm. so we don't take that time to regulate ourselves, and we maybe are a lot tougher on ourselves than we should be when we feel like we're not at our game at our top <laughs> I'm not apologizing for that one Brie. That's a <laughs> that one wasn't Ho- on us hopefully we don't lose power oh, we'll just cross our fingers yes. it's been happening lately yeah I yeah. think um being honest with the kids and saying hey guys I'm not having my best day today um my bucket is here um so I might need a little bit more help today I feel like children understand that Mm -hmm. they respect that and most importantly we need to be kind to ourselves yeah and being able to model that asking for help is okay needing Mm -hmm. support is okay we don't always have to be at 100 all the time and even that opportunity to reframe that say you feel that you're at 30 percent today but you give that full 30 percent you still Mm -hmm. gave 100 you definitely did just setting up that like that positive mindset in their own self-talk too that we're not necessarily talking down to ourselves we're acknowledging accepting and supporting ourselves through whatever might come absolutely i'm a big believer in letting their like the children and my friends and myself know like your feeling even though it feels bad is not a bad feeling it tells us where we're at you feeling angry you feeling sad that doesn't feel great no one likes to live in that moment but it tells us something about ourselves and it's not bad to feel bad. Mm -hmm. Let's work on that together and we'll get there when we get there. So in the spirit of 
working on that together and acknowledging and supporting wherever we are at when we enter into the space um, a common challenge that I experienced even as a, a school-age educator back in my day um, was how to facilitate both so we have mm-hmm. children that are feeling you know maybe not at a not at that super yeah. energetic high le- high energy level day um, maybe they want something a little quieter on the side. So if we're playing capture the flag in a, in a group shared space, say you're in a gym, for mm-hmm. example, if one group wants to play capture the flag, but one group wants to color and read books, like how do we navigate sharing that space with two very different activities? I think offering a separate space, like a literal separate environment for those children who need something a little bit more grounding, a little bit quieter, is a big part in making everybody feel safe to feel what they're feeling. In most classrooms, I feel like today, there is usually a cozy corner or Mm. a cozy cube somewhere children can go so that they can regulate themselves and find that inner spot that they need. Some kids need it all the time, every day. Some kids not so much. But in the example of like capture the flag in the gym, the gym does not have a cozy corner. That is not something we're going to be able to necessarily provide. So definitely reaching out to your team and resources. Maybe that means that Johnny hangs out with the kinders during their rest time while we're playing capture the flag and he can help those educators pass out water during snack. Um, Maybe he stands on the side with me with some poppets and uh, we just chat about the day because sometimes that's all we need Mm -hmm. so not forcing it and understanding that not every situation is going to cater to every child's needs perfectly in that moment but doing what we can with what we have is a big part of being an educator yeah and I I mean not that it doesn't happen everywhere Mm -hmm. but I feel like do what you can with what you have is like also very big in school age yes the resources that exist for full, like for full day care don't necessarily exist in the school age setting or yes. the, the needs may be so diverse and unique that those materials don't exist and you have to make them mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah do what you can with what you have is yeah something that's uncomfortable because we're it used is. to especially in this <laughs> this this period of the world that we live in being able to click on amazon and get something mm-hmm. or have you know, instant gratification. So when you're in a setting where you really just have to work within the limitations of your space or get creative with them to broaden the limitations, it can be a lot. Absolutely. I feel like educators all over are, we're stretching our budget. We're stretching our emotional budget. We are doing what we can with what we have. And I think we have to just take a step back sometimes, look at the experience that we're offering because a lot of times we are so focused on what we're not doing that we can't even appreciate what we Mm -hmm. are so maybe Johnny didn't have his 100% best day because we couldn't offer him every resource we know might be available to him in a different circumstance but we made him feel seen made him feel heard loved and we also provided an opportunity for growth exploration play we did everything we could in that moment and it's important that we celebrate that for ourselves as well. Yeah, like so often we use a support-based or success-based lens when we're working mm-hmm. with children. I, we never apply that same principle no. to ourselves. And it's such a missed opportunity to celebrate the work that we're doing and what what already exists. Like even um, like when I go to a professional learning session sometimes, the conversations we're having, it just prompts like, oh yeah, I do do that. Yeah. <laughs> and why is it only okay when someone else is telling me that it's something that 
is a success like why can't I recognize that in myself as an educator I feel like we need to get a little bit more comfortable with singing our own praises yeah like have we just been conditioned over time to think we're not good enough like what is happening here I feel like this is maybe like a therapy session or something. But, but yeah being able to celebrate the way we celebrate children celebrating ourselves and our wins yes. and our growth as well because even if it is just I was able to support Johnny and feeling seen today mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't in a place to do that yesterday and I did it today and even if I had done it yesterday and did it today too I showed up and I was consistent and I was present for that child and Mm -hmm. that is a win no matter what the circumstance absolutely you're all doing a great job (laughs) (laughs) yes we thank you yes okay based on where we're headed is there anything um there's nothing in particular no nothing in particular I think this is great conversation I love talking about school age so if I had been allowed I could have talked for hours and hours hours hours. (laughs) um I'm just thinking you know, at this point, I feel like we've talked a little bit about the fun. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about the challenges and the ways that we might work through that and maybe just shift our perspective a little bit away from what's not working yeah. or what, but to what is or what is this, what has gone well. Um, this feels like a fun time for rapid fire. Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. And Kayla's being put on the spot. I did not give her these questions ahead of time. So we will see the true gut reactions yes. here. Um, but this is just something fun that we like to do at the end of a podcast, just to learn a little bit more about you as an individual. Um, but also just some like fun extra pieces of information that aren't necessarily thought out ahead of time. So starting off the traditional question, what is your favorite children's book? Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Okay. <laughs> and why Coraline? I know that's not rapid fire, but why no, Coraline? No, I, uh, it's something that I read later in adulthood when I was exploring different children's lit. And I just loved how the difference in an adult reading it to a child. I mean, adults were terrified by the plot. They saw all of these conflicts as really deep and scary but a child just saw an adventure Mm -hmm. and I think that was my favorite part of being a kid was almost that feeling of invulnerability okay I was gonna say because I read Coraline in children's Mm -hmm. lit in post-secondary so I was like what about that book because it petrified me as an adult as an adult it is terrifying I watched the movie and I was like this is scary she has like no eyes oh my goodness I think we, we, we're just thinking too big as an adult. But as a child, yeah. you were like, I see one step in front of another. I see this possibility of adventure. And I think every kid in their heart thinks that they're a princess or a superhero yeah. or a firefighter and that they can jump off the top of the climbers and land on their feet. Yeah. Oh, I feel like this just brings us full, full circle back to like the fun and like how yeah. maybe we're just overthinking it sometimes. Yeah. And like a box of buttons is really like a fun time and could become Coraline puppets. Like, yes. Oh, that's so funny. Because I often think about how Coraline might be my favorite book because of that Such exact same book. reason. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. In the spirit of school age, uh, what is your most memorable project that you have done with a school age group? Oh, there's been so many good ones, but my absolute most memorable was probably our first talent show that we did. It was entirely child-led. They suggested it. They decided when they wanted to practice. They asked me for materials. They sewed and cut and designed costumes. We had friends design posters, which we then got printed and posted everywhere. Just seeing how I could stand back for them and let them do the whole thing 
it was so cool and mm-hmm. I think it'll stick with me forever oh I, it's just one of those unique things about working mm-hmm. in a school age environment I know that like children have that power and imagination at every age like when we're following child-led programming but the scale at which yes. a school age program can really come together is just I mean mind-blowing if you tell them there's no ceiling then they will keep going exactly. and that's the coolest part yeah oh, I love that okay another one it's your favorite group game squirt squirt what is squirt squirt is a circle game um that has no equipment and i think that's why i love it it's such a back pocket um a back pocket activity so you have one person stand in the middle and they're the caller everybody has to make um like squirt sounds as if that there's water shooting out of your fingers okay so the person in the middle will call somebody's name so they might say kayla and kayla will have to duck and okay. then two people are next to you, side by side, will then squirt over your head. The person that says squirt, like, the last, is out. And if you didn't duck fast enough, you're out. And if you did not say squirt when you were supposed to, or you said squirt when you weren't supposed to, you're also out. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine <laughs> the arguments. Like, I did duck fast enough. <laughs> that sounds fun, though. Have yeah. you ever done it actually with a water gun? No, I've thought about it, but unfortunately we're usually not allowed to have anything that's shaped like a gun in program <laughs> i'm thinking of like those like ones mm-hmm. um, that kind of look like, like uh, a, a noodle, noodle. Yeah. yes those are so cool i'm there's a couple days left of that. camp yeah. so report mm, back <laughs> i will um something you feel excited about i am so so excited to meet the new kids that are aging into my program I got to know them as the younger siblings of my students and now they're gonna be my students I love that me too so exciting like the like that connection just grows and grows and your relationship with the family it's so great I've had kids of mine um you know invite me to their birthday parties and things like that it's it's, it's just amazing to develop that strong connection, but uh, I'm fortunate enough to have an amazing team at the school I work at, and they also, as part of like the uh, support and transitioning them as they age into the older programs, they hold my program because it's the last program that you kind of graduate into as like the, you know, one day you'll be big enough to join Kale's yeah. program, <laughs> so it's considered like this big rite of passage at my school yeah. uh and Mostly it's like an induction ceremony yes <laughs> and it's because we have the older kids so we're able to do these like really big projects um so they see their older siblings you know doing all these things yeah. and now they get to join my group and they bring this whole different enthusiasm with them oh, i love that <laughs> oh i just like i wish that i had heard these types of perspectives when i was a school-age educator because when you don't, you do get bogged down in the day to day and like the logistics and the, all the things that happen in a day mm-hmm. can be so overwhelming. And sometimes we forget of the possibilities, but also that we're not alone in our experience. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I just, it's so lovely. It's like just such a, like a, such a genuine, nice, like perk to work. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Words of wisdom heading into a new school year. I would say don't sweat the small stuff. I think especially as um, a school-age educator, there's not as many talks, there's not as many conferences or books about our specific experience. And that's not because we're not valued or important. I think that also makes it so much harder 
to go through day after day with your routine and bring in a fresh perspective, especially um, educators who've been doing it for such a long time. My own perspective is the room's a mess. We'll clean it up. Mm-hmm. It got, you know, we got paint all over the walls. That's a part of childhood. You know, Johnny felt scraped his knee again. So I'm going to have to call dad again about Johnny's knees. You know what? We don't sweat the small stuff just the same way that Johnny won't remember. I won't remember. And as long as I can keep going and finding the good and the joy and the playfulness of it all, my day will be better. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, they won't remember scraping They knees. won't remember scraping their Honestly, knees. the parent won't remember after no. a time. Like, <laughs> for the, as a parent myself, I'll remember for a while, but I will forget eventually too. <laughs> yes, as long as, you know, Johnny can pick himself back up yeah. and, you know, Johnny can heal and hopefully he'll, he learns to jump from a lower step next time. <laughs> <laughs> know your limits. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, on that note, too, speaking to there maybe not being as many resources or professional learning opportunities for school age, um, we'll be facilitating an opportunity this fall. Kale's going to come and speak a little bit to, you know, cultivating that sense of belonging in a shared space, and it's geared towards school age. So we're so excited that we're going to be working with you again in the fall. Thank you. I'm excited to come back. Yeah, I can't wait. And Um, For those of you tuning in, uh, keep an eye on Strive's website and social media for when we announce Kale's session. And it'll it'll be virtual. It will be recorded as well. So we're hoping that we can reach as many of you as possible and offer that little bit of support for the beginning of the school year. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kale. It was great chatting with you today. And I mean, we should do it again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime at all. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.